be younger generations and quite frankly, a lot more of us just have completely different expectations of organizations now mm -hmm. than in generations past. So the workplace in some ways has taken on characteristics of local communities. Yeah. So, you know, social reform and social justice, political topics, um, financial wellness, mental well-being, physical fitness, what's your diet and exercise, your, you know, long-term financial savings, all of that now is in, to some degree, part of the organization's responsibility in some of their employees' eyes. Even volunteering, what do you stand for? Yeah. And you're going to be able to retain more talent and get better quality talent if you have a position and then all your values have to align. Welcome to Think Beyond Space, the PDX Workplace Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Blake St. Ange, principal for the Portland office of Cressa, a global corporate real estate firm. From the people, the culture, and their thoughts on the future of work, we sit down with leaders from Portland's most respected companies to learn about what makes their workplaces tick. We also dive into the commercial real estate markets and workplace trends that will help shape the future of business in Portland for years to come. Subscribe at Cressa.com Portland or wherever you find your podcasts. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I am really excited to have Andrea Heron with me today. Andrea is the head of people for WebMD Health Services and Corporate Technology. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. So for those that may not know who you are or who WebMD might be, why don't we just start off the conversation, walk us through your, your sort of personal and career journey to where you are, how you became the head of people today, and then we'll start from there and carry the conversation. Let's see. A long time ago in a land far away called Kentucky. Um, Andrea went to Western Kentucky University and I'm going to stop referring to myself in third person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I got my undergraduate degree in psychology and then went on to get a master's in industrial organizational psychology. And quite frankly, I think that's probably the best training I could have ever had for a career in HR. Maybe a little unusual. I didn't go to business school and subsequently then kind of major in HR, but rather I wanted to know why people do what they do. I like to understand those tricky human dynamics and how to motivate people and make a difference. And so I started my first HR job at a manufacturing facility and then nine years ago moved to Portland which has been amazing and I love it here. <laughs> I can't believe it's been nine years. Um, started working downtown at PECI, which is now Clear Result. So it's in the energy efficiency company. So mm -hmm. I went from plastic manufacturing, kind of retooled my karma and went to um, energy efficiency, which was nice. And then actually went over to the Humane Society and was their VP of HR for a while. And I have to tell you, I mean, Yes, it's an amazing organization. I love it, but working there, so many perks. You have a bad meeting, a bad day. Mm -hmm. Oh, guess what? I'm gonna go downstairs and pet a kitten now. Yeah. Somebody give me a puppy. Puppy emergency. It was amazing. But, you know, after a while, this opportunity here at WebMD Health Services came up and I couldn't pass it up. I'm sure we've all been to WebMD, the weird rash, or, you know, what is this thing on my ankle? It's not cancer. I mean, maybe it is, but it's not always the answer. So, you know, WebMD, we love to joke. But um, here in Portland, we 
have a health services part of the business where we go into employers and help them with their health programs, their health initiatives, the walking challenges, uh, benefits selection, things like that within companies. So we do that for our own staff, but then we also help other companies do it for their staff as well. Let me just, I'm just going to back up. Did you know that you always wanted to be in HR? I mean, you went to school for psychology, so presumably you wanted to be maybe in the doctor field or psychology or psychologist, what led you to HR? And then being from Kentucky, I mean, great bourbons, uh, and then in horses and bluegrass and a whole lot of other great things about Kentucky. So then what brought you out here? Was it purely the job or was there something else that brought you out to, out to Oregon? So many things. So I think I am one of those strange people that had an affinity for the job they were going to do for a long time. So even in high school, I loved sociology. I loved psychology. Mm -hmm. So I knew I wanted to do something with people. But once I got into college, I realized that I probably wouldn't be able to have strong enough boundaries to be an actual therapist. Mm -hmm. I tend to take on other people's emotions. So Mm -hmm. I thought, well, what is a way I could do that that still contributes but doesn't leave me in a bad situation. I thought, well, I could do that at work and make still systematic and big changes without getting too hung up in the personal side of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been even better, I think, than I expected because I've been able to find parts of HR that appeal to me. Because a lot of people outside the profession may think it's one thing you're in trouble or you're the principal office or I mean, you know, there is a part of that that's true, but it's not just policy and benefits and firing and hiring. There's a lot more nuance to it. Yeah. Um, So that's been a journey in itself. And then the cross country journey. I mean, I like to preface that I'm from Kentucky because it will slip out inevitably. Somebody will hear hear y'all and that's Uh fine. I love it. But it was really lifestyle. I mean, I started the recycling program at my first job. Uh, We were the freaks and the weirdos that rode our bikes Uh and had a garden with rain barrels. And it just was not a fit. Mm -hmm. So we moved somewhere where it was a fit. And there's mountains and an ocean. And that's amazing. When you're landlocked in farmland, um, it's really different to be here. It's wonderful. I was just talking to a friend of mine, actually, when spring break, I was down in Southern Oregon where I grew up. And I was talking to a friend of mine and he's like, uh, hey, just so you know, I'm, I'm moving to I'm moving to Kentucky. I said, you're kidding me. He goes, <laughs> he goes, no, I want to be closer to the city. I want to, you know, I go, you're moving to like Fort Mitchell? Like, cause I've, I've done some things in yeah. Cincinnati and I, huh. he goes, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm like, whoa, like that's a big move. So, I mean, it's that's a big, a big move. move on the other side for you to come, you know, across country to do that. Yeah, I'll never say never, but I don't plan to move back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you talk about sort of the nuance of, of HR. And I think I more than probably any time in history, the last 12 months have been a real stretch of, of HR. It's certainly not just policymaking, hiring and firing, right? It's right. so many different, I, I sort of think that HR and people, people have been stretched more than maybe anybody in the last 12 months. What have you guys done in the last 12 months for your people? Have, first of all, how many people are at WebMD Health Services here in Portland? Well, the Portland office location, which we can talk about, um, has shrunk because people have been leaving the city a little bit. Yeah. Um, but all in all, we have a little over 500 people in the health services group. Okay, and then how? And then how many across the across the country? Are you responsible for across the country, or mainly the people here? 
Well, I do the health services division, but then also corporate technology, which is really quite frankly worldwide, but yeah. certainly, so WebMD all in is about 3,000 to 3,500 employees. Okay, so okay, so for the last 12 months, what are, what were some of the, I mean, what happened as soon as, you know, March 13th last year for you guys, just like everybody shut down everything. What were some of the steps you guys took in the beginning as a leadership team and then sort of walk through some of that stuff in the last, in the last 12 months and maybe what you're doing now as you start thinking about what the potential implementation could be, although who knows when that's actually gonna take place. Right, you know, I think to your point earlier, HR people really have been through it. I mean, every yeah. HR person I'm like, I check in, I'm like, how's it going? It's just giggling and like nervous <laughs> laughter. You're like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, everything's fine, uh -huh. look away, it's fine. But because we have to take care of the staff. I mean, it was urgent to come up with a plan to get everybody set up to work remotely. Everyone's scared and it's a global pandemic. Nobody knows what's going on. But that also extends to the HR person and their family, which a lot of times people don't consider because it's very outward facing mm -hmm. and it's very take care of everyone else, which of course is what we do. And so right away, it was just do people have the equipment they need? Do we have VPN? Do we have, you know, are we okay with people? What do they have? And then, you know, for me, I wanted to make sure that our leadership was focusing on flexibility, being empathetic to the individual situation, and then having some respect and awareness of people's mental health and the struggles. Um, because whatever, you know, coping mechanisms or groups or places that people had as outlets for mm -hmm. their own concerns, issues, just daily life were gone in an instant. Yeah. So I firmly believe that we need to take care of people as entire individuals. And that can be really difficult, mm -hmm. especially if you're having your own hard time as a leader. But do we really care if somebody does the job from eight to five versus three to 11 right. or from eight to 12 and seven to 10? I mean, that's the kind of level of conversation we were having in the beginning is how can we be flexible and get the job done? How can we still collaborate? And what are we actually trying to achieve? Because it's gonna look different yeah. radically yeah. right away. I'm gonna go back to when you were in college and sort of graduating and wondering, you know, if you carry some the other people's feelings about right and their emotions and, and going through, you know, being in psychology, the last 12 months, you've everyone sort of seen a window into everyone's personal life, right? So what is that? transition been like it's almost like now you're there's that there's that carry on of the emotions of everybody and it's just so what are some of the things that you guys have sort of put in place uh maybe policy wise or procedural wise uh, maybe there's sort of no zoom on certain days or other or other days or you know practices and, and were you guys were you flexible pre-pandemic or were you sort of all in office 90 percent in office and you know, sort of random work from home or work from anywhere? Yeah, so we were very office-based. Of course, at the exact same week that the office shut down, we closed an acquisition that doubled our size. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so just a little timing. extra something yeah. there. Um, and interestingly though, that company was predominantly remote already. Ah. So 
As much as it was challenging for us to go remote, it was great timing because we were integrating this other group into the business who was already remote and will forever be. So it, we had to get really creative. And I think our company and a lot of companies probably leaped forward a decade yeah. in flexibility and willingness to have people work remote and figure that out. And it's been really good for us. And again, it was flexibility in the days and the way people work, the hours they work, but also trying to keep some of that, I don't know, that energy, the the connection so that people feel like they haven't lost that as well. So it could be things like we've done grub trivia where we'll do trivia questions or um, bingo during the middle of the day. We have health coaches and some of them are physical fitness trainers. So we would do Zoom yoga or Zoom workout classes. Totally optional. Nobody's required, but it's there if you're interested. Yeah. And then Did you have a lot of takers? Yeah. Did you have a lot of a lot of engagement in that? We did. And another good thing that we did was yes, it was live, but not everybody can make a live class. So we sent out the link to the recording. Yeah. It's like, okay, maybe you had 30 people show up for the class, but 60 people watched it later. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. We also do walking challenges. We're in one right now. So everybody who is on video, a lot of times you see their head bobbing <laughs> as they're trying to get their steps and they're walking treadmill or whatever. Um, so just keeping those ways to connect. Because one thing I've noticed, yes, there's Zoom fatigue. Yes, it's real. The video isn't great. It's exhausting, but also it's all we have. Yeah. And then, you know, no longer can you just pop by and check in on somebody for five minutes. Now you've got to set up time. It turns into 30 minutes. And, you know, there is a downside to not just being able to pop over. Right. But we can't lose that human to human eyesight to eyesight contact. Yeah. So. And I think what we found too is that when you're doing a specific project or where you're in a specific business unit, you're almost more connected now than you were pre-pandemic, but it's the, all the other, all the ancillary that you might not be working directly one-to-one -one with somebody or one-to-five in a team, but you sort of see someone, right, when you're walking the halls, or you see right. someone when you're in the cafe or at the coffee bar or whatever, and, and you just don't get that now. So trying to build those happenstance um, engagements is a challenging thing to do when you're doing, you know, when you're working remotely. It is, and I, I think, well, I can only speak for myself, but I assume a lot of other HR people as well. I mean, I would make time on my calendar to just walk around the office, and every single time somebody would, oh, since you're here, I have a question for you, or hey, did you know this, or did you know that? And then I would feel a lot more connected to what's going on, right. and then be able to use that information to drive changes, to yeah. drive like better things that we wanna do, or different communications we might send out, and now, people on a one-on-one -on -one a Zoom meeting, they're not gonna be like, hey, guess what I heard? Yeah. <laughs> that might be intimidating. Yeah. I, mean, I hope not, but yeah. it's just not the same as yeah. the casual stop by. So, the, so you acquired a group that was virtually all remote. You guys were sort of virtually all together uh, in, in the office. What does that blend look like moving forward? Yeah, as you say that, it just makes me feel like 2019 and 2020 like got married and now here we are and yeah. 2021 is going to be hybrid and i think a hybrid model will likely continue not only for us but for a lot of companies i think you know some people realized wow i'm an introvert and i really like to work from home this is amazing i am on fire i am so productive it's wonderful 
you have some people on the other end, maybe like myself, um, <laughs> who I don't want to be at home with yeah. my two kids and yeah. doing this. Like I need a separate space and yeah. a place to go do the work and really focus on it. But I think the majority of people are going to fall somewhere in the middle. You know, I like to have the flexibility to work remotely on a lighter meeting day. You know, maybe they want to do two days or three days yeah. in the office. Maybe, you know, people will stay remote forever. Maybe, you know, it, I just think it'll depend on each person. And now that we've gotten used to not having a commute and used to having more flexibility to maybe throw a load of laundry in between meetings, maybe you have to rewash it a couple of times because you forget, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe speaking from personal experience. Um, but you know, yeah. we're, we're used to a different way. And yeah. so I, I think it'd be really interesting to see what companies decide to do to either facilitate keeping a hybrid or really forcing people one direction or another for real estate purposes, yeah. for retention purposes, you know, for all of the reasons. Yeah. I was on a phone call with a, uh, right before we, we joined this with uh, a former client of mine and he, they do um, medical devices. And it was really interesting to hear. And, you know, some of the big companies are like this too. Like their culture is together. Their culture is not hybrid. Their culture is, and you're talking thousands and thousands and right. thousands of employees. And so I think that like for the, for some of the smaller employees or small businesses, there's um, some implications because the, the larger you get and that, that, that deeper that culture is part of, of, space and being together the function of the space might be a little bit different now but it's just and and i think too we're going to be in a beta for the next 12 to 18 months because people yeah. like we've been sort of there's so much content out there and there's so much sort of ideas but there hasn't been a lot of implementation of what that hybrid looks like right and so it's like right. this is the idea here's the thoughts and here's whatever we're sort of conjuring up but is it actually going to work and you know the people that are in the office or decide to be in the office mm -hmm. it depends also on the on the type of company like do you is there sort of a ladder climbing company to, is it aspirational if you're if you're if you're being seen does that mean that you're working and if you're not being seen are you not so are you going to be up for promotions if you're not in the office and some of that stuff and yeah i think we're going to be in this sort of a trial period for the next 12 to 18 months and having the ability to, so how then do you pivot back or how, or just open to be flexible? It's a great question. And there are companies that one, you just can't because it's an in-person kind of job, right? right? Yep. But then there are yep. other companies that that's their culture. They want people to be there and they can continue like that. And maybe their staff are fine with it. Maybe they hired the right cultural fit. Right. However, I think it will become increasingly difficult to hire and retain talented staff who don't want that. Because as more companies are becoming flexible, hybrid, you know, I've noticed even in tech the last few years, Portlanders are getting poached left and right from the Bay and Seattle, and they're paying Bay and Seattle prices, but they can live in Portland and travel as needed. And that's really escalated the salary market in Portland for tech. And it's uh -huh. been a challenge. Yeah. And I could see that expanding nationwide and getting more and more difficult to say, well, geographically, you have to be here and you have to commute into a physical place. Well, you're going to shrink your talent pool because not everybody that lives here wants to go to a place and you're probably going to pay a lot more for it. 
So I think it'll be something companies do have to make a value judgment and decide right. what their culture wants to be and then live with the consequences of that. Yeah, we've sort of been seeing a lot of that, you know, sort of work from anywhere and what is that mm-hmm. gonna mean? And then in our employers, are they, what do they do from salary ranges or packages and, and how do you compete? And I don't know, the talent pool, has, I feel like in, in, in Portland too, but pre-pandemic, it was just like, the talent pool was, it was so hard to hire anybody. There, every, I mean, it was just, it was wild. I mean, people that are in the insurance business are having a really hard time hiring people because people in the tech business were getting all that work. And it's like, who wants to be in insurance when I can be in tech? And if I like, and so, and now, do you feel that that's gonna be exacerbated now because people can work sort of from anywhere and it doesn't really? Yeah, I do. Because I mean, it depends on what you're offering. And if you're saying I have to go into a place and I don't want to, well, this company says I'll pay you just as much or more and I don't have to do that. Yeah. And it it comes back to the, I could go off on a tangent, so I'll try not to. No, keep going, but, yeah, you go. <laughs> you know, the younger generations and quite frankly, a lot more of us just have completely different expectations of organizations now than Mm -hmm. in generations past. So the workplace in some ways has taken on characteristics of local communities. Yeah. So, you know, social reform and social justice, political topics, um, financial wellness, mental well-being, physical fitness, what's your diet and exercise, your, you know, long-term financial savings, all of that now is to some degree part of the organization's responsibility in some of their employees' eyes. Even volunteering, what do you stand for? And you're going to be able to retain more talent and get better quality talent if you have a position and then all your values have to align. Where are you donating your money? Who are you spending it to or with? You know, how are you making sure this is diverse and equitable for everyone? These are not questions employers had to answer before. Right. And now they do. Yeah. And so we could say the geography matters and if it's an office or a remote, it matters, but there's so much more that goes into yeah. it that I think employers are just now starting to understand given the last year of social and political unrest. I mean, it's been more than a year, but it's yeah. certainly in Portland yeah. been quite a year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now you, I mean, we've got five generations in the actual workplace too. So like yeah. that's gonna be, a, that, that's another thing. How, how do you shape the, from an office perspective, a culture perspective, are you shaping that based upon which generation are you are we looking at? Like, right, and because it, it's spread and so vastly different between each one of what the, and it gets down, you don't want to generalize the generations, but it gets down to the personal part, but just thinking through, I mean, there's, there's, those are big stretches. And as HR people to sort of think through that and how you do that well, is really challenging. It is, and it's why it's so fun. Yeah, yeah, I mean, (laughs) you have a big job. I mean, that's a big, that, that's, you know, that's really big. So all those things organizationally and the challenges last time, what have you learned personally? What are some of the so things, that, things that you said one thing about you're not a work from home person? Not a work um, from home person. But what, what are some of the other things that you've sort of learned personally in the last 12 months? Yeah, I mean, it's been a lot, right? It was, there was the very tactical, how do we create the policy? How do we lay out the design of the office? Because remember, we were only supposed to be in quarantine for two, three weeks <laughs> <know>. tops. <laughs> oh, so there man. was some very immediate learnings. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, for me, it opened up 
the possibility to dive deeper, especially with all the social unrest and people being just fatigued from, I call it outrage fatigue, um, because there's just so much. And so it was like, how, what difference can I make and what can I put together to actually help people? And I care a lot about mental health in the workplace. Um, so we did some trainings for employees of how they can take care of their own mental health. And then I also put together a training for leaders and managers of how to support their staff very tactically because this is not something anyone teaches you mm -hmm. like congratulations you're a manager yeah. and then oh, you have great. to deal with people and they're yeah. whole people and yeah. you don't really get that so we cr i created that and then lastly the one that i've done most recently was a training on unconscious bias and i think that one in particular is more self-reflection it's not the company's position on it because mm -hmm. you can't really have a position on unconscious bias we all have it mm -hmm. but rather how do you work with the ones that you have and that extends you know to your earlier comment about the generations yeah. maybe you have some unconscious bias about different generations mm -hmm. and once you know that you can make a different choice so i think i've tried to take a more proactive learning approach of what I can do to influence like the whole, but it starts with the individual. So that's been an interesting dynamic for me to figure out how to take the big idea and pare it down to a human and how they can change their thinking or learn about themselves that then impacts their little circle, their work product, their team, the yeah. company. It, it just, just sort of opens up. Exactly. Yeah. So some of the things that you do to for your own mental well-being and relaxation and getting away from it. What are, what are some of the things that you do? Yeah, it's been hard. Um, again, all of our regular coping mechanisms yes. are gone and I've tried not to fall into new unhealthy ones like constant online shopping or anything. <laughs> um, but, you know, being outside has been amazing. Yeah. I don't know if last year I just noticed it more because we were home and I was walking the neighborhood every day with the kids, but, you know, the flowers seem to bloom for ever last year and you know playing with the kids like not mm -hmm. just being there while they play but actually playing with them mm -hmm. and then also getting away for a run or you know there's no date nights to be had you know yeah. there's no outings to be had necessarily but i've found a love of reading again yeah. you know that you can check out books from the library even if you can't go <laughs> in there um so just trying to find things that are offline and away from work is hard yeah. because there really is no distinction between right. home and, and work life at this point, um, but trying to check out at least for a little bit at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed it's, it, I think sometimes that some of the beauty of COVID, if, the, if there can be a beauty in COVID, is some of those nature, you know, we, we, there's a few times we went on hikes as a family and we're like, well, I don't know if we should go so far because it hasn't been, there hasn't been people on the trail for so long. And so right. some of that habitat sort of comes back. Right. And I yeah. think we sit, we live out near in Cedar Hills around the Commonwealth Lake. And so part of that too, is like just, just natural beauty sort of coming back. It's like, wow, mm -hmm. it's amazing what, if you just sort of, you know, pull up your eyes and then see, and without as much foot traffic around there's, you know, it's, it's beautiful. It really is. I will never get tired of playing this game I made up when I was, you know, fresh off the plane from Kentucky. It's <sighs> called Cloud or Mountain. And if you're in a tall building downtown and you see white fluffy things in the distance, you're like, is that a cloud or a mountain? Ah. Never gets old. Because okay, mountains well, here are gorgeous well, and there are no mountains in Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that is definitely that was one of the reasons we we moved back here too. I mean, it's just the the, the landscape is just yeah. it's just incredible. So, okay, if you um 
sort of going back through your uh, your mind, if you could have a coffee or a cocktail with anybody in history, present, past, I don't know if you know someone in the future, but um, <laughs> uh, who might that be and, and why? It's a great question. There could be so many answers. You can only choose one. Uh, not a cocktail party? Okay. You can have a cocktail maybe <laughs> and then a coffee. So two different okay. people. All but right, yeah. all right. I think I would have to go with Michelle Obama. She is wicked smart. She is a great role model. I love her, oh, what is it called? It, there's a new Netflix series she just came out with for kids with the healthy cooking. I like her investment in that. And she just seems very down to earth and authentic. Yeah. And I'm very drawn to that, probably because I do have to deal with a certain level of drama in my um, HR world that I really enjoy authentic, <laughs> down to earth people. Yeah. It's just no BS. Yeah. It's, just be a real person and I would love to have a conversation with you. Yeah. Well, uh, for those that might want to find you or WebMD, where can they find you uh, online? Or I heard there's a book, so maybe you can talk about yes. a little bit about your book and where they can find your book and what that might be about. Sure. Well, WebMD Health Services is the site. If you go to WebMD.com, you can also find out about whatever ailments you have. If you haven't checked <laughs> oh, that out. Me. That's no fun. <laughs> that, talk about anxiety. I mean, yeah. that'll leave you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially with kids, you go and you type something yep. in. It's just no, 10 out uh, of 10 uh, every yeah. time. You're like, I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So wonderful services, products, of course. Um, and then personally, the book is called There's an Elephant in Your Office. It is on Amazon or you can go to elephantinyouroffice.com. And I also have a podcast by the same name, Elephant in Your Office, where we talk about mental health in the workplace and all the ways that shows up. Well, Andrea. Thank you for the time. Thank you for bearing with my awkwardness in the beginning. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, appreciate your authenticity when talking through all the things that you guys have been dealing with in the last 12 months. And surely it'll be some challenges coming up too. But um, just appreciate your time today. Yeah, thanks so much. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you for listening to Think Beyond Space, the PDX Workplace Insider Podcast. To follow along and get additional insights from each episode, visit cressa.com slash Portland. Please also take a minute to rate and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.